Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of Y'all Let's Address. I'm your host, 1S Jess, and Maddie B is back on the podcast. And today we are talking a little bit about hotel life, the robot ump, which is being used in the PCL and AAA, and then we go through our love story. Guess who's back? Back again. Maddie B's back. Tell a friend. Nothing. <laughs> Am I supposed to say something? Yeah. I thought this was your intro. <laughs> no. I was letting you I was letting you go for it. The nine co host co host is back for an episode two. I didn't have to do as much convincing as the first one. You actually have been wanting to come back on. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've been listening to all of them. They're all good. So, you're having some FOMO. You think you no, can? No, no. I, I get my three questions in, and that's enough for every every week. Got it. I guess. What is what episode will this be? Eight. Yeah, that's good. One every eight. Or once a month. I was thinking once a month. I feel like that's a good shooting for once a month. Maybe. Yeah, you can do that for sure. So we are in day 10, 11 of being in the hotel. I have no idea. Let's look. We got here August 1st, and it is August 13th. So 12. So, well, it's midnight, but yes. Yeah, this is y'all, let's address after hours. We're recording this bad boy at midnight after a, after a game. But the pups have been doing good. That was my biggest concern granger is a pro but this is nelly's first hotel stay and especially her first extended hotel stay i i was worried about it but she's done really good and, and granger knows what she's doing you can tell that she's getting better like in the first couple of days it was a little we were like ah, i don't know if this is gonna work but she's adjusted well yeah i would say yeah our dogs are not city dogs. We're in El Paso, so El Paso is not even a big city. But we are staying downtown, and neither one of them like the sounds and all the people at this hotel on the weekends. They just are not about it. Yeah, the weekends, oh, we were talking about that earlier, the weekends are a little crowded, and there's a couple bars in the hotel and stuff, and people come. I guess uh, this is one of the hot spots of El Paso, the, like this hotel or something, I guess, or just this whole area around the hotel. So Granger and Nelly get Nelly's scared of the shadows when cars are driving by and she's just scared of everything. Yeah. Unless it's another dog or us. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how to help them with that, but I think you just got to let them be and hope no, that they good. figure it bad. out. Yeah. yeah. There's been nothing crazy's happened. I don't know where I was trying to exactly go with this. I guess just talking about hotel life in general. I have no tips about doing hotel life with dogs. Our dogs are pretty laid back. We've gotten to a, a good routine with them with taking them to the dog park or for a longer walk in the morning. And that's 
legitimately all they need to be content for the day. I don't think that's normal for most dogs, but it, it works for them. And that's just what we've been doing. Well, G's always kind of been like that content, lazy, like she gets a little bit of exercise in, but then once she does that, she's like, okay, I'll just lay around the house the rest of the day. And I think Nellie's kind of like watched that as well and just been like, all right, I'll do what G's doing. Sure, we'll lay around. But it turns out that Nellie actually might be more lazy than G. So For sure. Yeah, I don't know if that's the shelter, the rescue dogs in them. They're just so happy to be with us and have a life with us. <laughs> I, I'm stretching it. I'm, I am making it. No, more I think than rescue dogs do for sure have like a sense of like a second chance. They know that they have a second chance and they're, can, they're not like, I need this. I need to do this. Why is my owner not here? We need to go to the park. We need to, I need a bone. I need my next <laughs> bowl of, well, no, G GX. If you give, if Jess gives bowl, a bowl of food to G, and I come walking in 10 minutes later, G will act like she hasn't had a bowl of food in days. So, yeah. but for, I, th- I do think rescues definitely have, they a have a different level of contentment, I think, than yeah. maybe some dogs that or are at least ours, rescues. ours are. Yeah. And then the, and then the other ones that we know. So, yeah. The other thing that <laughs> I wanted to talk about that it's not so much a struggle for you because you can eat at the field and do all of that, but that was like one thing that I've always struggled with is eating when we're in a hotel for a long period of time. It's so hard, but I don't know why I never thought of this before, which the only other time that we've stayed in a hotel for long periods of time is your debut year, just because you were so up and down. We didn't have, we weren't renting anywhere in LA. So whenever you were up and I was there, which was every single time, I just had to go wherever the team was going because I was not going to stay in LA. I was not going to go back to OKC, but I never figured out the best way for food. Luckily at Dodger Stadium, they had dinner. And so I would get used to eating whatever they had the food in the wives room, which was awesome. That saved me. But this time we went to Whole Foods. The Whole Foods in El Paso here is incredible the biggest whole foods i've ever seen and second biggest i think pasadena is bigger i don't think so but that you did say that i still don't think it's two floors yeah but i still think this one in el paso has more overall square footage we'll have to look it up yeah i'm sure we can look it up get the building permit or whatever that 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 just brought out my city council (laughs) days (laughs) um but so we went to Whole Foods and I've been getting some meals for to eat for lunch and dinner. And that has helped me so much. I don't know why I never thought of that before. And I, I guess before I was just kind of winging it and was probably happy with getting Chick-fil-A or getting whatever else I wanted to walk and get. The DoorDash in El Paso is not great. So that probably pushed me to want to try to figure something else out Uh, yeah i mean whole foods has some great like already made meal options you get the sushi you can get chicken caesar wraps or whatever other wraps salads whatever you want um it's kind of and luckily here we have that mini fridge so anything that needs to be stored in the fridge there's enough room in there to get you some meals for a couple days i guess too all of the hotels that we have stayed at in the big leagues there's not a fridge (laughs) there had to have been one in la 
I think there was. Maybe. What was that hotel? I don't, I don't even know what the hotel is. The Westin? Oh, the Westin. I mean, that's what we stayed at majority yeah. of the time. I know the uh, other hotel did. but yeah. Hilton no or whatever yeah. in Pasadena. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so those are the... Oh, the other thing that I did want to bring up with the going back to the dogs. Also, if you hear them in the background, I apologize. There's legitimately no escaping them. Nellie is having her little nighttime zoomies, so that's probably what you just heard. She gets like the little zoomies where she chases her little snub or like nub of a tail or whatever it is. Snub, nub, her nub tail. Yeah. And she chases it in circles. Kind of weird. Um, But we were taking them to this dog park, super nice, big dog park, but they were not mowing the grass. And the grass was up to our ankles higher than our ankles so for them it was up to their knees would you oh, call it, it? Higher. Uh, is it their knees yeah i don't know g sometimes would look like a little jaguar in the jungle like stalking yeah. she's just walking normal but you could barely like her nose is like dragging on the grass but she's walking normal i don't know the grass was super high and it then was they, probably it was close to i would say close to uh not a foot it, it was, was high like eight Eight, ten inches. But then when we got there a couple of days ago and it was mowed, that I was so happy. And then proud, I was so proud dog mom came out and you're like, yeah, the grass I was like, oh my gosh. As soon as we pulled into the parking lot, I was like, oh my gosh, they mowed the grass. I'm so happy right now. The things you get excited about. Huh? <laughs> and you said it's the little things. And I said it is. And the dogs loved it. They were sprinting because they could finally actually run without being like you said in the jungle for them it, would you call it their knees i i asked you that like it's their knees sure i, I don't uh like they have four legs so their little like bendy part in their legs is their knees yes <laughs> oh okay i i think i was gonna save this next part till the end, but I think I just want to jump into it because I mean, we're obviously in El Paso because you're on rehab assignment. So AAA for the Padres is here in El Paso. AAA, we, I think we talked about it in the second episode, how they're doing every Monday is an off day for travel. So got lucky with this series being two straight weeks in El Paso. So that's why I drove here with the dogs, yada, yada, yada. Anyways, so you have been, you've played at least three weeks now, this rehab stint, and then you played, what, a week in AAA earlier? Let's think. The first time I tried to come back and play games, I played four games and then had like a little setback, went back to Arizona, uh, you know, rehabbed it got it stronger came back around july 4th and then play we were in sugarland so met el paso in sugarland texas how many games did i play probably around another four or so and then was supposed to come back here to el paso flew in the monday off day and i don't know just felt like crap and ended up testing positive for covid Ended up testing positive 10 straight days for COVID, so missed uh, two weeks, at least two weeks, because I was just 
those 10 days, obviously when you're testing positive, you can't go into the facility workout or anything. So I was just literally, and lucky you, you didn't get sick from it, but it was just you and me and the dogs just literally just doing nothing. Yeah. Just quarantining in the house. Um, and then now, yeah, how many games are we in? So this is so a week in Tacoma, or not quite a week. Yeah, four or five games in Tacoma, four or five games last week. Four game, no, five games last week, and now probably all six games this week. So you've had about 20 games in Triple yeah. right A. About, right well, about. Very spor- <laughs> sporadic. Yeah, like I talked about. Built out over yeah, three months. Um, I kind of it, talked about a little bit when I wrote the COVID and the whole drawn out rehab, blah, blah, blah. It is what it is at this point. That's not the point that I'm trying to make here. The point I'm trying to make is, and I'm just going to go into this and say that I know that when I get fired up about things, I know that I can be, some might call it dramatic. I call it passionate. When I believe in something and I believe I'm right about something, I will talk you until you're on my side until I am as they say blue in the face that's bad news for me (laughs) I never win an argument because of that stop (laughs) but what I want to address is the robo ump the robot ump the track man ump the what did you call it the ASB ABS ABS ball strike automatic ball strike that's the official who freaking knows So those of you that do not know, in the PCL, which is the Pacific Pacific Coast Coast League League in AAA, they are doing the robot ump that Manford swears is going to be in MLB by 2024. I'm going to go on record right here and say absolutely no freaking chance that happens. Nothing has fired me up more. So so we went from Happy Jess, right? Happy Jess, they mowed the grass at the dog park. I'm eating my Whole Foods. I'm living my best life the best I can in this hotel. You want to know something that's gotten me fired up over these, especially these last three weeks when you have felt pretty good and trying to get back into a rhythm, is this freaking robot ump. I'm going to let you go first because you're the player you're the one that's actually out there <laughs> having to deal with it. What has been your perspective? And I think it's important too to, sh- if you can like share what the umpires have especially said to you over the past couple of days. My biggest thing is, for example, your first at bat tonight, the very first pitch you sh- saw, I'm standing up on the concourse level and they've started doing this little zone They've started putting the zone up on the scoreboard, the jumbotron at the stadium, and so you can see the where zone the p- pitches, where the pitch is. is. And I'm assuming that is what the robot ump is call- basing its calls off of, right? right? So the first pitch comes to you. I have my sunglasses on, and I'm not kidding. I had to take my sunglasses off and squint, and I. I don't have glasses, contacts, nothing. I can see the scoreboard just fine. I had to squint to see where the ball freaking hit the zone. And let me tell you, it didn't. It was 0.05%, if that, of what was in this, quote, zone. And that that has been happening to you especially, which, of course, and again, 
I'll preface this. I know I'm biased towards position players in this argument. I understand that I'm obviously honing in to your at-bats and the robot <laughs> that is calling your balls and strikes. I, I am fully aware of that. But it don't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me in that. Anyways, and then this, oh, so many of those calls that I'm not, I'm, y'all, I'm not being dramatic when I say 0.05%. I pull up the game day app, which is the MILB app, and it shows you what they call game day. And that's showing you where the zone is, where the ball is falling. I have to screenshot that zone and zoom in to see where the baseball is crossing the strike zone. It's unbelievable. It's, it's not a strike. It's not. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, I guess technically it is a strike, but what is a strike okay, according so to the robot? Huh? It's funny you say that because I looked up the, the definition of the strike zone on MLB.com, and it says – in order to get a strike call, part of the ball must cross over part of home plate while in the – it mentioned How much above is the, part of the ball okay, and how, how much yes. is part of the plate? Here, here's my thing. Okay, so What is a part? So it says part of the ball. So when I hear part of the ball, I think it needs to be more than 0.05% of the ball. When, when, I, when someone says to me part, I'm like, okay, part, you know, like half, 40 to 50% of something. To me, that's a part. Again, I guess that would be half. 50 would be half. So let's, okay, so let's say 40. I don't, yeah, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what the definition of part is. I guess you can look that up. What is the definition of part? I think I actually did that today. And I don't think I liked what I saw because, let me see if I, I mean, still have it. Any part? So part says a piece or segment of something such as an object activity period of time, which combined with other pieces makes up a whole. Yeah, I don't know. And then it says some, but not all of something. Okay, I'm, I'm not saying that all of the ball has to hit the zone. That's not my argument. But I'm saying more than well, 1% of the ball needs to be hitting the zone for it to be a strike. Well, the problem with it now is... Ah, I don't know exactly how to say it, but like the zone feels bigger for hitters now because everywhere around the zone, if literally a seam is touching what the laser of the automatic strike zone says, it's a strike. Whereas usually human umpires, like, yes, they make bad calls. They make good calls. They, like, okay, sometimes they will call that outside pitch. And it doesn't touch any of the plate, right? Say it's an inch off the plate and they call it a strike. But usually that means that they're going to give you a little bit of wiggle room from a hitter's perspective on the inside part so that you know to move your zone out a little bit. Right now with the robo, robo umps, pitchers are getting that inside part and that outside part and the up and the down. So the zone just feels like it's a bigger balloon than what it's ever been, at least just for me. And I will give credit to the pitching staff that's been pitching to me this past week. Like they have done a tremendous job of nicking those corners. So like you might be talking to me in a bad, bad timing of, yes, I don't know. <laughs> I hate the ABS right now, the automatic ball strike. Um, but just as a hitter, it just feels like the zone is bigger because a hundred percent of the time that is being called a strike now where we're so used to our entire careers 
leading up until this year of sometimes that being a strike, sometimes it being a ball. And yes, that's a pro of it is, you know, the consistency that that's always going to be a strike. So our hitters going to be able to adjust. I mean, maybe, but, but at the same time, like, uh, no, like there's no knock against AAA arms, but they're not big league arms. Can you imagine facing somebody with pinpoint accuracy or, I don't, I mean, with big league stuff face Degrom and he's throwing 102 and then like a seam hits the bottom corner or Clayton Kershaw throwing his big curveball that nicks the top of the zone or nicks the very bottom of the zone that I mean yes I mean technically it is a strike but I think hitting is hard enough as it is nowadays like I don't want to sound like a new age baseball player. It's harder to hit ever as it's ever been in the game. But I mean, really, it probably is because the average big league fastball this year is probably 94, 95 miles an hour, which it's keeps going up every single year. Like pitchers keep getting better and better and better. How do hitters get better and better? Like, I don't know. It's yes, we can keep getting better with them, but at the same time, like the, human body the mind is only able to react to such speeds that we're having to react to now and then when you make that zone at least for me I I mean I haven't talked with a lot of other guys about it but it feels like the zone is bigger and I mean I don't know it's the same strike zone that it's always supposed to been I guess but I don't know hitting hitting's hard and when a seam hits the zone and you're trying to cover all of that. Here's what I think. I, I don't think that there needs to be the automatic. Okay. Yes. There are some horrible games out there, but I do also think that that's part of the game. I think that's part of baseball. Uh, shoot. We've been dealing. We baseball players have been dealing with strike zones out of umpires for, over a hundred years now. That's part of the game. You know who's behind the plate. In the big leagues, we get the report of, "Hey, this is who's behind the plate. This umpire, umpire X, is behind the plate tonight. These are his hot zones with the right-handed pitcher. These are his hot zones with the left-handed pitchers, and the right-handed batters and the left-handed batters both get that. So you kind of that's part of studying the game, knowing like, okay, this is where he calls majority of his strikes. And this is where he calls majority of his balls that are in the strike zone or like close to the strike zone. So that's, I don't know. That's kind of, I don't know. That's kind of like studying the game. And I don't know. I like having that human element where you can kind of not argue the call, but be like, Hey, is that like on the black? Like, where's this zone for you? Like, you think that's a strike? I don't think it's a strike. Is that as far out as you'll go? Okay, now we're good. Yeah. And if they stick to that and they're consistent with that, usually that's the case. Like, that's what their perceived strike zone is. So, and I guess the pitcher doesn't always have that luxury, too, of having that direct communication with the umpire unless he's yapping at him from the pitcher's mound or in between innings. But I do think that some type of strike zone challenge form should be put into place. Uh, You kind of look at like very similar to tennis. Like I don't know how many challenges that tennis players get, but I know that they can occasionally challenge that their ball was in or out on the court. 
And I think it needs to be something similar to that. Say, I'm just going to throw a number out there. Say it's three or four pitches per game for the manager. He'd be like, no, that was a strike. That should be strike three. It's the bottom of the eighth inning. Instead of him walking, loading the bases, that should be strike three. Inning should be over. I'm going to challenge it. And then it shows up on the scoreboard just like it's showing on the scoreboard now here in El Paso. And no, it missed his own. Or yes, it barely clipped his own. That's a strike. I think there should be some type of challenge maybe. And like, because there are moments in the game that are completely like, there's big moments and like small moments. They all matter, but there's moments that matter more than others, obviously. So there should be some type of like, dang, he blew that call big time there. We need to challenge it. And you only get a limited number of those per game. I just like the human element to it. And I did have a conversation with the umpires. They actually called me over and asked what I thought about it. And I just kind of explained like exactly what I just explained here on this podcast and they were like, yeah, it kind of stinks for us because usually that's our day of like really working and being focused and locked into the game. Not that they're not locked into the game all the time, but every single being, pitch when you're behind, when the plate. you're behind the plate, it's like catching. You got to be locked in every single pitch and you got to be on top of your game, especially the guys in the minor leagues. They're trying to like work their way up to be big league umpires. And now you had that question earlier, like how do those guys get graded to come up and down? I don't know. That's a different That's a different topic. Our dogs are going crazy. They're getting the hotel zoomies. But he was like, "Yeah, we get it's it's boring for us now to be behind home plate because we're being told what to do." So I don't know. Yeah, I think that is what I wondered too whenever, you know, they said that it's boring and a so if you didn't know, umpires have to work their way up through the minors to, to umpire in the big leagues just like players do. I didn't realize that until I read uh, John Feinstein's book and when nobody where nobody knows your name. I read that right before right after you got drafted, I think, and there's an umpire in there anyways, and the umpire's talking about how you have to do that. I never realized that they have to work their way up. So that was my other question is why did we decide a league in AAA to have the automated balls and strike the robot ump if that's the step below for them to go up and down in the big leagues? How are they going to be able how to go up? How do they stay up? fresh? Yeah. yeah. How do they? So Like the, one of the umpire that asked me the question tonight is a guy that goes up and down regularly. I've seen him in the big leagues the past couple of years, and when I've been down, I've seen him down in AAA. Yeah, that's years. crazy. So, so now how do you stay hot. Yeah, so he gets called back up and he has to go behind the plate and all of a sudden call bars. I, I don't know. It's just so wild to me. I don't understand you can why tell AAA. That the, I don't know. Some umpires probably do like it, though, because it, it does take that stress off. They don't get yelled at anymore. I mean, they still get they still get yelled at at the El Paso <laughs> games, but it's like, I hey. don't know if, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if people don't know it's a robot ump because that is another so, thing that is so funny to me how fans are still yelling at the ump and I just want to be like he's not calling these it's a robot he's being told what to say if I was the PA announcer I would be so petty and when well, I think that's why they started putting it on the scoreboard too that helps eliminate some of that yeah but we're still getting it but. well I think you know too when they're when it's your team you want your team to win you want calls to be called their way and that's when people start yelling at the umpire I think so, yeah, that was my question. Literally, they're there just to, like, enforce the rules now. Yeah. 
like box and other certain obstructions and all of that. That's like, if that comes to the big league level, like everything is reviewable at that point. Yeah. I just, oh, I don't. Okay. Going back to this, you downplay how hard hitting is, but according to sports science, it is the hardest thing to do in any sport is to hit a baseball. So we should not be giving the pitchers an extra, how long is a ball? To, I don't even know, like, the width of a baseball. Five inches. Okay, so if Five inch. if oh, 1% of the baseball is hitting the zone, it's exactly what you said. The strike zone automatically expands more, however many inches. We should probably know the width of a baseball. <laughs> but the zone extends another. Nine five Nine ounces, that's how much it weighs. Maybe. No, nine ounces, that's how much it weighs. Like, yeah. how wide is it? Oh, no, 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 sorry. Man, five ounces, sorry. <laughs> I, I swear I've been playing baseball <laughs> m- m- almost my entire life. A baseball is nine inches, five ounces. It's nine inches wide? Uh, that's the circumference. Okay, I, it's too late for me to be, like, really thinking about that. Anyways, okay. I'm going to make my point, I promise. So, How, if, how many stitches? If 1%... How many stitches? I'm not, I don't know. I actually did know that one. One, 108. 1-8. If 1% of the baseball is hitting the zone, then yes, that is making the zone that much wider all around. Because how are you supposed to barrel up a baseball where 1% of it is hitting the strike zone? You can't. Like that just well, that would be to, the adapting to the pitcher's argument. That's what good pitching is: is making you miss. I get it. Yeah. I just don't. I don't like it. I I think I what you said the consistency consistency part of it. I like that aspect of it. I also had someone on Twitter. Um, say that they think it should be an oval because he was making the argument that he thinks umpire zones are more oval-like than they are yes. square, yeah. mm-hmm. especially when it comes to like the top of the zone, a the square, corner, and the bottom. square is a lot harder to cover than an oval. That is for sure. For whatever, because like the swing, I don't know, that's just how the swing works. Sw- swing's not shaped like a square it's more shaped like yeah 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 i don't know i just and I, don't get me wrong i know umpiring is hard like i know it's hard umpiring to be in, is hard. I, I know yeah. that umpiring calling balls and strikes is hard i was a little league umpire okay i know what it's like <laughs> that was a joke i'm not saying that it's easy but after seeing the robot ump in action i am all for umpires good umpires crappy umpires bring them to bring them because again what you said even if an umpire has a wide zone inside or outside you can adjust to that over a game this robot ump thing it's just wild to me and i i just don't think what the robot ump is calling especially at the bottom of the zone or when 0.50 percent of the ball is touching the zone. That's not a strike. It's not. I don't care what anyone says. It's not a strike. If you're not giving me 20% of the ball 
in the zone, it's not a strike to me. I'm sticking to it. And umpires work. need a better definition. Yeah. Umpires work too hard to get to where they are to just let a robot call it. Pitching has progressed so much in the last decade or two and hitting is still like, it's gotten, it's gotten a little bit like, I don't know. Pitchers are able to throw so much harder and have so much more sports science behind what they do. Mm-hmm. Whereas hitting hitters, hitting. it's all reactive reacting to all this new stuff that's being thrown at, at us now. Ah, man. The only, the only thing that has changed for hitters is the technology that you guys can have, whether it's the pitching machine that you can click who you're facing that night and it's supposed to throw their arsenal or whether it's not the same. No, I'm getting there. Or if it's the VR goggles that we had talked about when you were hurt and you were tracking pitches, but exactly what you just said, that's not, that's not the same as actually getting in the box and facing these guys. That's just, that's the only thing y'all can do besides studying so-and-so's pitching. Here's what he's got. Here's what he's going to throw you. This is what it's going to look like, but you can do all that studying and know what's coming, but you still have to get in the box and actually hit the ball. Like that, no, nothing, you can't do <laughs> anything. You can do all of the work and try to do the technology. Technology tries to keep up to give you some type of advantage, but you can't, you can't, you just have to step in the box and be good at what you do. And giving a pitcher a strike, if 0.05% of the ball hits the zone, just, just give them all the advantages. They only have to pitch once every five days. Okay, now now I'm now I'm starting to be mean to pitchers for yeah, no reason. Topic. <laughs> okay. So the real nitty gritty thing that we are going to get into is we are going to tell our love story. <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of you that listen know our story or know that we met in Dresden, but old Matt here moved to Dresden, Tennessee in seventh grade. And I, born and raised in Dresden, families from Dresden, lived there my entire life. So, Matt, I've, I don't know if I've ever, if we've ever actually talked about this. Were you nervous to move schools? Not only schools, but totally different states? Nervous? I don't know if I really knew what nerves were back then. I mean, yeah, maybe. Uh, I knew, so we'll backtrack. We visited Dresden a couple times before we actually moved there. So I knew kind of what I was getting into. Small town, like I grew up, not a city boy, but a a lot bigger population than Dresden, Tennessee. Um, I remember going into Big Orange Country Mm -hmm. and your meemaw and your granddaddy being in there and your meemaw saying i've got a granddaughter that's your age (laughs) or what i don't remember she said something along those lines she'd be perfect for you that is that is so funny now that we're married and yeah for however many years now what 20 or so (laughs) i don't know uh just kidding but uh, i wouldn't say i was nervous i mean you would a nervous guy walk in and all orange no. the first <laughs> the first day of seventh grade i was 
decked out. No, I wanted people to know, like, here I am in Tennessee, and I am a Tennessee volunteer uh fan. I'm I'm decked out in orange. I'm from Georgia, but I love those Vols, baby. So I wouldn't say nervous. First impressions, I don't know. Like, do you remember, like, your first thoughts after, whatever, a week in school? No. No. Is that bad? No, no, I don't think that's bad. Well, you know, I never got, I never experienced that move to a new school kind of thing, except when I went to college, but that's normal for a lot of people. They move and go to a college. I went they to know. a couple of different schools. That's I, true. Like I went to Athens Christian school for kindergarten, I think, and then homeschool in first grade and then Fort Daniel at some point and then Buford middle school for sixth grade mm-hmm. yeah so i i mean i'd kind of already i was kind of accustomed to not having that sounds bad not having the same friends all the way through but i was kind of already used to meeting new people yeah and i guess i never thought about that being in different um environments yeah so you and i tried our hand at the old middle school dating we dated in seventh grade for a hot second. Okay. <laughs> You're like, keep going. Um, I didn't break up with you. I was your first kiss, right? Yeah. At the movies. And I Martin. don't remember the movie. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you don't remember the kiss. I was like, well, dang. No, I don't remember the movie. I don't remember the movie either. You weren't my first kiss. Sorry. I was your first. My mom still swears that you weren't. She thinks some girl back in. Oh, the one that Georgia. gave you the necklace or whatever. Maybe. Or like she gave you the promise box or. Yeah. Lindsay, whatever. Oh, Lindsay. That yeah. wasn't the name I was thinking. Her name was Lindsay. And I know exactly when my mom was thinking that this happened, but we were just like staring at each other. Oh, like, yes. I do remember this. She. <laughs> my mom was probably peeking <laughs> through the window like. They're going to kiss. No, mom, we didn't. Uh, I just remember us. I I think this probably, it had to have been when we were dating and y'all lived in the apartment in Martin. And I had to, when I would call you on just like the landline at that apartment. And because we still had dial up internet. And so if Austin was playing on the computer, I would have to tell him so he could pause his game so the internet could dial up so I could make the call. And I, I just remember that. I remember I was talking on the phone. I think I remember our first kiss, your first kiss, which was me. Um, and then all of a sudden we broke up. I gave Amy Reddick. Was it Amy? I don't know. I gave someone, one of my friends back your D jacket which D jacket was your Letterman jacket, Letterman jacket middle school version. And that's what you do. You know, you gave the boy gave the girl his D jacket to wear. So everyone knew that you were dating. Well, I gave one of my friends the D jacket back to give to Matt. And that was my way of breaking up with him. Real mature in seventh grade. Do you remember that? Yep. Were you just heartbroken? Did I break your heart? barely made it out no for real i was upset you were upset i probably didn't show it but i think i remember telling you i don't know if you asked me if we were talking and i remember saying it's because you flirted too much that's what you say 
Yep. I mean, you were the new guy and everyone liked you. I was lucky to get it. I wasn't your first girlfriend at Dresden, was I? I don't remember. Man, Matt. See, exactly what I mean. You can't, you can't remember because there were so many of us. Mm. I wouldn't say that's necessarily true. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. And then, so, I think the biggest thing is after that, we did turn into really good friends. We kind of all had our little friend group of all the boys and all the girls. And we all just kind of hung out. And we were just friends from there on out. We got over our... I got over you flirting. You got over whatever I did breaking up with you, I guess. <laughs> what happened when we actually started talking for real, for real? This would have been like summer before sophomore year. I remember I called you to ask you if you wanted to be my girlfriend and date or whatever. Okay. I'm talking before that though. That's also oh, not how I remember. When me and Will Vernon came yes. over and you were having like a sleepover. Yes. Tell and like, I don't know. I, we were leaving and I was going to take the pillow that we were like, what were, what it was in the back of your dad's pickup truck and uh-huh. just, I don't know, it's out in your uh, driveway or whatever. What were we doing? Like, all of us. Just hanging out. Like it was literally just, just hanging out. Yeah. Talking. Looking at the country stars. <laughs> the stars in the sky, not country singers. Yeah. Um, did I have, like, your pillow or something or blanket or something? Yeah, you're like, I, I need that back. And I was like, no. Well, if you want it back, you gotta come give me a hug or something yep. like that. Yeah, that's Slick exactly yeah. smooth. Yeah. We had actually, so I was actually talking to someone else at the time on the lowdown. Who? Oh, yeah. And, and um, we had invited you over. Well, so Will was dating one of my other friends that was there and you were over at Will's and we actually invited y'all over because we were inviting you over to hook you up with one of our other friends not me i don't remember you don't remember that i mean yes kind of so i don't know how you and i i was a terrible friend in this situation i don't think she really bad wing woman yeah i don't think she i think we were pressuring her more than she actually not that she didn't like you but she was not about it um but yeah that's exactly what you did took my pillow and you said gotta hug me to get it back and i was like oh all right. All right. That is smooth. And so, yeah, so then we actually started talking. Okay, so you said that you remember calling me and asking me to be your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Did I dream this? So I, I thought when you asked me to be your girlfriend, we were at the park. And you asked me, and I was like, are you for real? And you kind of got mad. Did I dream that? Did that not happen? I was, I'm pretty sure I called you. Well, this is awkward. On eleven eleven. Okay. Of two thousand eight. Eight. November eleventh. I do remember that, and, and you, you were said, in the car with your mom, and you said because you said I want to make eleven eleven our anniversary, <laughs> so I need to call smooth. <laughs> again smooth. So I need to ask you to be my girlfriend right now on eleven eleven. You're right. Yeah. And th- so then maybe the story that I remember was me making you ask me in person. 
Maybe that's what it was. Maybe. Yeah. But our actual, yeah, you anniversary. Said, you said yes, though. I did say yes. Yeah. And so our actual anniversary is 11-11-2008 is when we first started dating. So we used to always say our saying was, do you remember our saying? With 11-11? No. Love you to the moon and back. <laughs> no, not that. Like we would always say, 11-11 is the day. Forever is the way. Yeah. See, you just had to say. <laughs> oh, so we dated all throughout high school. We just loved each other so much. Never got my D jacket back. I still have your like high school D jacket. No, I meant like middle school. I got my middle school D jacket back, but in high school, I never got my oh, high school D jacket got back. It. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that was a thing in high school. Did your I wear D jacket? I did yeah, wear. Oh, wife. I for sure wore your D jacket. It was yeah. big. Yeah. So, then fast forwarding, I guess there's nothing really to say about we were Mister and Miss DHS. Yes, we were. So we go to college. I already talked a little bit why I picked Lipscomb last week in the episode with Kelsey. Why did you pick Belmont? One, it was, it's a good, it, it, it was a good distance away from home, right? Like mm-hmm. two and a half, three hours, but also like close enough to be able to go back and visit whenever you wanted without having to jump on a plane to like to Nashville. And I kind of like the city more than, not that I don't like the country, but like, Oh no, I like things to do and whatever. You have every resources, everything that you need if you want it right there in Nashville. And also three, the campus was beautiful. The baseball team was pretty good. Like they went to a regional the year before. Um, And the coach, he didn't promise me a spot, but he said that I was going to have a pretty good chance of coming in and competing and earning my way into a starting role from freshman year on. And a lot of D1 colleges, you don't get that opportunity. Um, and then also uh, best friend Jamie, he also committed to play at Belmont. He was a kid that I grew up playing with in Georgia, um, playing baseball with. Um we were really good friends then and we hadn't, it was weird. Like we hadn't connected at all until the visit hmm. when we went to Belmont, we knew that we were going on a visit at the same time, but before that we knew that we hadn't really kept communication yeah. up. Um, so it was kind of cool to rekindle that friendship that we had from when we were eight, nine, 10, 11 years old and now be able to go to college with each other and actually be um playing baseball with each other and go to school together we ended up being roommates so when he committed it kind of gave me an extra motivation like man this would be really cool really good friends with him um know that i like him we'd be roommates and everything so it just kind of like puzzle pieces fell together um and that's how it worked out so belmont university yeah i thought you were gonna say it's because i was going to Lipscomb. that was another positive Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we went to separate schools, but we're still close together. 
Yeah, well, I'm glad that I went to, like, the main school out of those two schools. Like, no. We'd always win in all the sports. That's not true. Okay. Baseball, yes. Basketball, yes. Soccer, yes. I mean, I wouldn't say always win, but Usually. that's fine. I mean, if you have the higher one percentage against the but other. We don't, you don't know that for a fact. What boulevard is Lipscomb? Okay, that's not my Belmont fault. Belmont Boulevard. That's not my fault. That's only one parallel street. Only like one, two buildings sit on Belmont Boulevard. That's part of Lipscomb's campus. Belmont's Alpha. I'm just kidding. I don't. I, yeah, I don't agree. Hey, I will say Lipscomb had a better food court. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, speaking of that, we should Chagos in Nashville is going is no longer going to be Chagos, and it's really sad because that was one. That's where all the Bruin Bucks were. Great place to use Bruin Bucks. So that's we where I first fell in love with Cholula hot sauce. <laughs> with Cholula, really? Yeah. Interesting. They had Cholula there. I didn't. I didn't realize that. Yeah. We can't talk about college without talking about our breakups, though. That was like the first time that we had little rough patches, if you will. Okay, so when you broke up with me freshman year, early on, like within the first month. I don't remember that. Matt, don't. It's it's okay. It's fine. I'm not mad about it. I'm over it. I broke up with you later on. I think it was important and had to happen. That's the thing when you start dating when you're so young and we obviously loved each other, but you don't really know what that entails or what that looks like when you're that young. Yeah. We were very mature for our age. I'm not, I'm not saying that and that we didn't know what we wanted and those type of things, but college was the first time that we were pretty, we were on our own and you're being thrown into this, oh, I'm on the college baseball team. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the case. <laughs> you guys don't want to make it look like that, but it is like that. Mm. So I guess my biggest thing is, is when you broke up with me, was there ever real intent? And you can say yes, that's fine. I'm married to you now, so you ain't got a choice. Was there ever any real intent to like really wash your hands of me and I don't think so. Be like I'm done with Jess. No, I don't think so. Cuz I never really pursued anything else like I mean, you you talk to girls a lot more than I talk to boys. <laughs> I just sounded like a 12-year-old <laughs> right there. <laughs> I No, I don't know. I didn't. I never like actually really pursued any you type of other. I mean, yes, I was texting. No, I didn't. Uh, yes, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. You're, why? Just be honest. I am being honest. I didn't pursue anything. Like, I think I liked being able to go out with the guys and not have to tell me where you're. And what not you're have doing. to tell you where I was at every single moment. And, uh, blah, 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 all those responsibilities of being a boyfriend. I <laughs> uh, didn't want to just stay in the room. I wasn't, I don't know, I uh, enjoyed going out with the guys. And Again, so going back to Lipscomb, had a curfew. I also didn't really drink until I was 21. And so, yeah, so I was stuck back in the dorm 
Matt was out doing whatever. He didn't want to tell me. I got mad because he didn't want to tell me. And so then I didn't trust, like, it was a trust thing. We didn't really, I don't, not that you didn't have a reason to trust me, but I didn't, I didn't trust you. So then I got crazy. And then you were just like, uh, I do, <laughs> I'm dealing with this. I didn't say you were crazy. Mm. You did. <laughs> I mean, just now. Yeah, I said it. But I mean, I, it was good in the long run. I look back now and think about how I acted. And I mean, both of us for sure. But if I would have been how I handled how when we broke up our junior year, I handled that a lot more than I did when we were freshmen. I was much more like fine. And you're two years older. I, I was distraught, like cried myself to sleep every night that freshman year breakup like mom almost came to Nashville and stayed with me <laughs> she th- I was so upset <laughs> sorry so yeah so then I ended up breaking up with you junior year <laughs> for I mean f- kind of for the same reason you still weren't being completely honest with me all the time and I was just like you know what fine you're not gonna tell me the truth I don't need you. I'm done. And it took me four days of not tech, not communicating with you at all to freak, flip the freak out and be like, Jess, okay, I'm sorry. And I, I'll never forget to Brittany. I had called her and was talking to her and I'll never forget. She told me, she said, whenever you're ready to walk away, you're going to know. And she said, like, when you're for sure ready to walk away, you'll know. And I told her, I was like, well, I'm not there yet. And she was like, okay, well, if you're not ready, then just make him sweat it out a little bit. And then if he doesn't sweat it out, then you have more time to, and it was literally like a solid four days. And you showed up at Lipscomb's campus and like texted me and was like, I'm here. And I was sick. I had the, I got, had gotten the flu and you that sixth sense about you babe and you were like okay i'm gonna go get you gatorade so you went and got me like gatorade and soup or something and i didn't even go down i made kelsey go down get it from you (laughs) and you were still like trying to text me get you and i said no i don't i don't want to talk to you and then i remember my car wouldn't start in the parking garage that's right and i don't know why i called you like, why didn't I call campus security, call someone that could actually, I just called you. I was the only country boy that you know. <laughs> We're not on speaking terms, and I call you. You come jumpstart my good old Chevy Cavalier, and been together ever since then, for real. Boom. Fellas, make sure you carry jumper cables in your pickup truck <laughs> to college. <laughs> Every college girl at one point is going to need their little car jump-started. And that just might be what gets you really, really stuck together. There you go. Yeah, but I mean, I think if we... College is kind of your first dose of communication and what does that look like? How are you going to do that? And trust, too. And I think, too, every girl is insecure, whether she wants to be has a reason to be it just kind of happens and 
I mean, some things had happened before that, not that you ever cheated on me or anything like that. You didn't, but just like little things that would make a girl insecure, I guess, happened. And not that it was warranted in some of the ways that I acted, but I think all of that to say, I think college breakups and what we went through made it worth it, especially with how we went through distance after this and all of that. I don't think if we had went through that stuff in college, it would have helped us. It made us stronger for what we went through after that, if that makes sense. So then we graduated in 2015, both of us. And then you got, or May 2015, you get drafted June, July, July. Not sure. I think June. June. July. June. So June 2015, I accept a job in Texas, July 2015. So you go off to, you report to Arizona first to the spring tra- or spring training Camelback facility. Then you get assigned to rookie ball, which is like the short season. Ogden. Ogden. And then I came and visited you the first time I saw you play pro ball. Actually, the first time I saw you play pro ball was in Bowling Green, Kentucky. The hot rods. The hot rods. That was before I came. So then before I moved to Texas, I came out and saw you a week. At that point, you had already got called up to low A. We were in Midland, mm-hmm. Michigan. So I was there for a week. Then I moved to Texas. We did the rest of the season long distance. You come to Texas because you had to go to, uh, what's it called? Instructs. Instructional League, which is like where all new draft kids come in and kind of learn more about, or just more player development with the coaching staff and being in front of the coach's eyes and working on different skills and stuff that they teach. You did that. You came to Texas and we're kind of back and forth between Texas and Georgia. I want to hear when, when did you know you were going to propose? When I got a signing bonus, I knew that I had the money to be able to do it. Yeah. Right. Like first time ever kind of having really my own money. I thought I was going to have a lot more than I got. I got to find out real quickly what taxes were. <laughs> Very quickly. Because I remember when I heard what my bonus was going to be, and then when I saw what, because they split up the deposits of it, and then when I saw what the actual and deposit was, was, I was like, oh. And it was getting it was getting taxed in California. Yeah. That, uh, was it? Yeah. That's why yeah. it was half yeah. what it was supposed to be. But. But still, that's a lot of money at that time, like fresh out of college. No, I would say that's about the time, right? I mean, I don't know, probably that maybe the first season. I had some really good friends, too, and a couple guys that were kind of not wifed up, but that had serious relationships, and I don't know. Another guy was proposing to his girlfriend, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea, too. (laughs) I know that I like who I'm with. I don't know. It didn't seem like it was too early or anything, and it didn't seem like it was rushed. I mean, shoot, we'd been together for however many years at that point. Six. 
six, seven, seven. seven. Yeah. Well, seven that off season yeah. of 15, mm-hmm. but, um, and really I'm not much of a plant. Did I plan it a little bit? Yes, I did, I guess, because so if anybody doesn't know the story, I just loves bobbleheads. So I got a bobblehead made of the shirt and the whole outfit that I was going to wear proposing to what I was hoping to be able to have <laughs> Jessica wear. And so the bobblehead came. So there's this whole process it's of making long, this yeah. bobblehead and i was like oh no that does not look like my wife you need to change this you need to change <laughs> this that does not look like the shirt that i'm gonna wear you need to change this uh this guy has a beautiful set of hair and i've got a little bit of receding hairline <laughs> so can you please knock that back just a little bit i guess not too much um so that bobblehead finally came in so i think when that bobblehead came what did no I had to have the ring I had the ring first and then I did the bobblehead but anyways Jess was wearing this black dress on the bobblehead and I remember waking I didn't have a date set in mind at all other than when I would wake up when she was on her way to work and looking at what she wore to work that day and then finally one day she wore some type of like, like black, black shirt black long sleeve dressy shirt and I was like I remember waking up and usually I was just like uh yeah trying to you know just trying to wake up and you were wearing black that day and I was like oh uh oh okay it's happening today <laughs> and I remember okay did I pick you up from or no no so I remember you came home from work and I was like hey let's go to the beach no, and so the, the package that the bobblehead came in was just kind of like this old like not not old but like a white usps was for sure a reused box box. yeah and it had the packing tape like crazy and jess was like what is that and i was like oh i got i got granger a new uh like toy that she could play with at the beach or whatever should we take it and she can open she can we'll give it to her there at the beach was that like did you believe me well so i don't i didn't know how to say hey let's go to the beach all dressed up well okay so that's what got me is I remember being at work and you texted me and you said, Hey, you want to take G to the beach when you get off work? And I was thinking, that's kind of weird. Again, it's December in Texas. And I mean, Texas coast is your typical, but it's like, so it's chilly, but it's, so it's chilly, but it's not beach weather by any means. But, I, but you had told me because, um, the girl that hired me, who was the, um, managing editor at the pa- and publisher at the paper she had told me if we wanted you to like the beach we needed to take her and get her acclimated to it and used to it so that was kind of your excuse of we had just gotten back from dresden for the holidays that sort of for thanksgiving and so you're like let's take g to the beach so she can start getting used to it and i was like okay so i get this this is where i should have known like something was up is so i get home and i'm expecting I'm in wedges jeans and that nice shirt 
And I'm already thinking, okay, I'm going to go home. I'll change real quick. And then we'll go. And I walk no, in. No, I'm dressed to the yes, nines. You're in Not jeans. Not dressed to the nines. I'm you're in, in jeans, jeans and a flannel. flannel and boots. And I'm like, I'm thinking, and I, and I remember saying to you, like, that's what you're going to wear. And I'm sure you like, did say, I say like, we're going to go to dinner. Afterwards yeah. You were something. like, oh, maybe we can grab food, something afterwards. And I was like, okay. And that was, that the, that's the first Still, thing. Still, it's kind of like, that's not usually what I would wear to dinner. Or yeah. Something. I don't, I don't remember seeing the box at my apartment, but I remember when we got to the beach area and we get out of the car and we're walking towards the beach and you were like, Oh wait, I got to go back to the truck and get G's toy. And I was like, G's toy. And you were like, yeah, I got her a new toy. And that's when you come walking oh, that's what it was, with yeah. like the big bobblehead box, the, U- the USPS. Yeah. Box. And I was like, well, dang, that's a big oh. engagement. Ring. I was like, Oh, all right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I didn't know, I legitimately did not know it was happening until it happened. There was a lot leading up that I probably should have caught on, but because you were also so quiet on the drive there. And I was thinking, why is he like, he's being weird. I was like, because you usually know we talk about what we did that day, yada, yada, yada. And you didn't say a single word. And I was like, man, this is weird. But again, I never, because we had never talked about it. We had always said, Oh, when we're married, we're going to do this. And when we're married, but we never actually talked about getting engaged and getting married and all, you know what I mean? Like it was never, there was never a pressure situation. There was never, it needs to happen by this time, blah, blah, blah. It was never that. So yeah, I didn't know. I had a feeling it was going to happen. I just didn't know when. And I that still. off season? You had a feeling that off season? That yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I th- I felt like that just made sense. You put a deadline. I did not. Don't <laughs> say you didn't. I did. What, what was the deadline? That day? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I want to know how you picked out the ring. Your Pinterest? Matt, I pinned those two rings years and years and years before. Okay. Did you not realize that? I wasn't ring shopping years and years before, but I had it saved on my Pinterest. I know, but you weren't worried that I didn't like that style of ring anymore or you're just trusting it. I guess I just trusted it. Yeah. And I think that's the funniest thing too, because I had told mom and Jesse, mom and I had actually been in the mall because I just knew that. I don't think I talked to Jesse or you like didn't. Nate. I don't think so. You didn't. Yeah. And I just knew that at least mom, like you might consult her. I just thought. I don't think I did either. You didn't. But I, her and I were in the mall one day and she said to me, she was like, hey, have you ever thought like what kind of ring you would like? And I was like, oh, let's go in there and look. I was like, yeah. And, and I do like, I like exact the pear shape with the halo, what I had pinned on Pinterest. That's I've always loved that. And so I had told mom that, and we had looked at a couple of rings there and I know that she took she does. I, I, we had talked about later that she took pictures. I didn't know that day, but she did that for the sole fact in case you I, asked her. And then uh, I had told Jesse too that like I like I love the pear shape. Not super picky, but like I do love the pear shape. And after looking at them, and yeah, you just. I don't know. My mom helped out a little bit too. What was the name? What's the name of the? Shane Company. Shane Co. Shanko, your friend in the Monday diamond business. Friday till five, <laughs> Saturday and th- Sunday till six. 
or online on shanko.com. Not an ad. <laughs> nope, not an ad. Uh, Paid for that bad boy with that signing bonus. Yeehaw. But uh, I don't know. I guess one of the ones that came out just kind of struck. And I was like, yep, that one. I, I remember there being like she brought out like three different pear shape ones. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just shows that one that's on your hand right there. I mean, it's it's pretty much what I would have picked out, I think. I mean, again, I've never been I've never been ring shop. You've done more diamond shopping than I have. Like you and you were talking about I'm just meeting for this. Mm. Like you shopping mm. for my ring is more diamond say, jewelry. I don't have anything diamond. No. No, I'm just saying even when you talk about the cut and the clarity and all that, I didn't know what any of that meant. Yeah. And you didn't either until you obviously went yeah i just think it's so funny you never you just kind of went with it but i wouldn't have been picky you could have picked out some whatever opposite of a pear shape spongebob spongebob okay no let's not let's not let's not get too crazy Mm. but i would have been happy with whatever you picked but you did good and the bobblehead yeah couldn't have been couldn't have been better probably You, you were more excited about the bobblehead I'm not the girl that always wants diamonds or all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the bobblehead was, and we were wearing. Probably not many people have proposed with a bobblehead <laughs> in the outfits that the bobbleheads are wearing. Yeah, just because I wore black to work that day. That's the best part. So, we spent that entire next year, 2016. So, from whatever, f- February to the end of the season. We only saw each other eight days. I went out for spring training for a few days, and then I went to Rancho for a few days. And you, when you came back to Texas at when the season was over, I, right before we were getting married, and you were kind of just like, um, how is this going to work? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> And you're like, we just saw each other for eight days. We were engaged, planning a wedding, and now we're about to be married, and I'm still going to be playing baseball. Like, how is this going to work? And then I ended up leaving my job that next February and have traveled with you ever since. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah. I mean, we made long-distance work, but I'd rather – come home and be with you and the dogs than sit in my own little hotel room or wherever we were staying. I don't know. It kind of like, it sounds a little bit selfish, but I no you at the same time. I don't know. We were together and we were going to find a way to make it work. Yeah. You, you aren't asking me to quit by any means or do that, but, it was for sure that kind of a first conversation of us because I had always just assume I'm, I'm going to do my career. You're going to play baseball and that's going to be that. And then that first year of kind of realizing what that looks like. Yeah. We were very much, if we can make it work and my career is what could be sacrificed. Yours 
couldn't at that time and still can't now. So that's why I kind of made that decision. And now looking back that I've been traveling with you ever since, I can't imagine not being here. And especially your debut year and all of those things, if I was working, it was only going to get harder for me as I went up the ladder. The only reason I saw you the eight days I did during that season was because John, my boss, <laughs> was super nice and just let me go as long as I would get everything I needed to get done for the papers while I was there. That wasn't going to happen as I kept going with my career and doing all of that. But yeah, I can't imagine not traveling with you now and being able to have us all together. Yep. That's pretty much it, I think. That's the love story. That's the love story. I don't think we left anything out. If we did, I can't think of it because it is now 1.30 a.m. So if this podcast was a little bit all over the place, I don't think it was all over the place, but... You want to circle back to RoboLumps? You want... You have to add something? No, I was gonna, I was asking you if you wanted to. No, <sighs> I, had, I don't have anything to add. I could go on and on about the robot um but i i digress i think i got my point across if there's robo umps i think the zone needs to be smaller they did exp i don't know i don't know i need to look into it someone told me today that they made the zone a little bit wider than what it's supposed to be or something why i don't know (laughs) when he said that i was confused too so i don't know how accurate that is but it feels like it, so I believed it. I was like, well, okay. Maybe he was that making a joke. I don't know. I don't know what the full details of it. Maybe I should maybe I should know it. But at the same time I've been, I've had the I've had the same strike zone for my entire life. Yeah. So. Well, and it's also interesting too because the first conversation I had with someone was with a pitcher's fiance. Someone that was in the big leagues all last year made a spot start so had been used to the robo ump in his starts here in triple a had a spot start and left that start not knowing what the strike zone was yeah and so it's not i mean it's just well that's part two like veteran players in the big leagues so like someone said today can you imagine if pool holes had the automatic strike zone and he was getting <laughs> some of those calls like in a way veterans Pujols, who's had 20 plus years in the league has a smaller strike zone because umpires respecting players respecting the game of baseball he's given so much that he gets that opportunity to have and I don't know if that's necessarily true but for the most part he gets better calls than a completely new rookie would get so can you imagine if he had that exact same strike zone? I don't know but uh, also, He's <laughs> but also veteran pitchers who are facing a rookie hitting yeah. and or a guy that only has whatever, two, three. Mm-hmm. I, I, once you get past that three year mark, I feel like you get a little bit more respect, but it goes, it's the same way. Yeah. Like you can't yeah. say it's not fair on one side or the other because veteran pitchers get more calls depending on who they're facing. And then mm-hmm. veteran hitters also get the benefit of the doubt if they think something's not a strike or if they don't swing at something that's borderline. The ump. So it goes both ways. So that's also not an argument for one side or the other, yeah. in my opinion, because it, again, it works for pitchers and hitters. 
I don't know. I'm just going to go on record right now and say that the robo-ump is never going to make it to the big leagues. A- unless the pitch clock is supposed to be there next year. The pitch clock, I don't, I don't mind. I don't have a problem with that. And did you know this? You probably haven't noticed, but the bases are bigger here in AAA. I have not noticed, no. I, I, there, I don't know how much bigger, but they look ginormous. You think it's that's a good thing, a good change? What is the reason for it? I don't know. So like I, it's supposed to make more stolen bases. Oh, I didn't know more that. Sto- yeah. I thought it was. And safer at first base. Yeah, I, I, guess. I thought that's what it was. But why would all three bags be bigger? Oh, that's true. But, I mean, I guess that leaves more room for, like, double plays or close plays at second base if the bases know, are the bigger. That's weird. I haven't noticed that. I guess I haven't you been. Can't, yeah, you can't tell from, from the stands. stands. All right. Well, thanks for joining me again for the one month. You talk. Oh, you're talking to me. I thought you were t- talking to your Who'd listeners. <laughs> 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 oh, you're welcome. We need to go to bed. <laughs> okay, listeners. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> To this delirious, delusional, whatever that word is, uh, conversation. And if you will, please like, rate, and review this podcast. (laughs) And share it for all your friends. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.